0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So um, what I thought I would talk about today is um, I wanted to talk about uh, uh, not right effort, but uh, right mindfulness. And uh, right mindfulness uh, is kind of the foundation for for effort and all of the other things that would uh, be covered in uh, the Buddhist path, but um, uh, the understanding of mindfulness is uh, something that uh, bears looking at really carefully uh, in the Buddhist uh, way of of talking about these things. There's, uh, it, it can be very systematic and it can be a little bit complicated um, with this whole... I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the, the, the study or even the term Abhidhamma. Uh, is anyone familiar with it? It's sort of the study of Buddhist psychology and the way that um, thoughts uh, and perceptions actually arise and strike... Uh, we become aware of them, so to speak. So, um, I wanted to talk about mindfulness a little bit from that perspective. Um, what mindfulness is, um, uh, how we recognize mindfulness, how we develop mindfulness, why we, why we even look at uh, mindfulness, um, and then to to see how how. We go from the quality of giving attention to something to the quality of actual to what's really known as uh, right mindfulness or samasati that type of thing so um, when when um, perception uh, uh, emerges when t- when some sensory um, uh, Uh, phenomena begins to emerge for us, whether it's mental or uh, material-physical, it comes in a sort of... uh, There's an awareness that's, that's very generalized and a little bit fuzzy. But there's a recognition that something is impinging on a sense door whether it 's in the mind or in one of the bodily senses, and um, this quality of knowing uh, is it 's the beginning of mindfulness it 's mindfulness in a kind of undeveloped state, so this level of mindfulness would be um, you could almost um, understand it as the quality of giving attention to something so an itch begins to itch <laughs> and we begin to notice that it's itching and before before the mind moves into cognition there's just this knowing of the emerging of something but as it begins to form we move into another stage of awareness which actually begins to compare um, and cognize the experience so um, you know we begin to uh, uh, receive it in a subjective way so this is where subjectivity sort of uh, emerges and it's like we compare it to what's happened in the past and at other times, and this happens in at lightning speed. You know, you know, I don't know how many times a second, but it happens very, very quickly. We're, we're not even aware of it, and so um, uh, this is where memory comes in to play because we we compare this against experiences that we've had in the past. In order to know it and and be able to function in the world, and so it, it it brings in this quality of discrimination, and um, this all happens so quickly and so automatically that we're unaware of it. But when we when it's talked about like I'm trying to do here, it sounds very complicated, but the reason that, I'm t- that I want to do this is to give us a sense of what happens when when mindfulness is being developed. Because mindfulness isn't just the quality of giving attention to something. That's the beginning of mindfulness. That's mindfulness in a kind of a conventional uh, way. But right mindfulness will actually move... Uh, doesn't occur until... In, in, well, let me move through the stages. so the first stage is this this sort of uh recognition it's a uh, it's uh, and and it's one of the cardinal functions of of um consciousness because it's at this level that we begin to be able to find our place in the world. you know we know that something is happening and we relate it to. Some experience that we have in the past. We know whether we're safe or we're not safe, whether this is something we consider good or bad or whatever. It's kind of like a primal um, receiving of things. It's a little bit um, maybe like what happens in the animal kingdom. You know, animals just receive these messages and then they respond to the messages. That they receive, but they can 't necessarily put them together it 's just something happens, and then they know that it 's safe or it 's not safe. Get the heck out of here. the lions on the behind the bush that type of thing. so um, at first this this produces uh, you know an indistinct or a fuzzy sense of the object, which is something I said already. But then the attention focuses on the characteristics of what um, begins to arise. And what's important is that we begin to uh, do this in terms of our relationship to it. So this is where the discrimination comes into play. So it allows the mind to compare, and um, in psychology this would be known as associative thinking where the mind begins to associate things. And it shows us the connection between the functions of memory and the functions of attention. So there's something I've said already. So um, it's important to understand that in in the context of meditation, uh, the term sati, um, like the uh, sati center for Buddhist studies, sati, is it's both this quality of, of Memory and attention, so it's it, it, it's both of them. It's not just attention, and it's not just memory. It's memory and attention. So, um, one of the ways that we're taught mindfulness here in the West is with, through this this um, method of bare attention, where we're just noticing what's happening when it's happening. It it comes into our awareness, and it passes away, and then the next thing comes, and it passes away. The next thing comes and passes away. So this is one quality of mindfulness, and this is something that's taught a lot, and it's a a beautiful teaching. Also, mindfulness has this quality of remembering. So in terms of meditation, it would be remembering your object. So if you were doing um, breath meditation, let's say, or you were doing body meditation, when the mind leaves the object and you remember the object, you drift off into thought and then suddenly you wake up and remember the object, the mind then can return to the object, but the act of remembering is an act of mindfulness. So these these two qualities of noticing what's happening and remembering is what makes up Mindfulness. This is important to understand because um, you know I meditated for years, and at one point I remember I asked, "Well, so what is this mindfulness business?" I don't even know what mindfulness is. <laughs> you know, do this and do that, but I don't. I don't have a clue what mindfulness is. So, so this is a way to think of mindfulness. Mindfulness is the quality of bringing attention to whatever is arising and impinging on our sense doors, whether it's whatever phenomena it is, mental or, or physical, and, and then it's the quality of remembering. And so it also um, encompasses this quality of um, doing associative thinking. And it's at this stage of, of sort of, if we think of it in terms of mental evolution of, as, as things are unfolding, um, it's at this stage that we're able to, um, you know, cognize what's going on, put it into some perspective, and that we're able to do abstract thinking. So this is the place where abstract thinking comes. So at this stage, this is the stage where most of us operate, and whether it's just bringing attention to... um, you know, the fact that we're sitting in a chair and that the room is cool and that we're hearing sounds and so on and so forth, all the way up to rocket science and philosophy. So, this is the stage at which most of humanity operates, you see? But at this stage, um, even if we're doing sophisticated thinking, it doesn't mean necessarily that we are touching what's called right mindfulness. And right mindfulness, because we're we're still perceiving things through the, um, what do I want to say, we're still perceiving things through a misunderstanding, in some cases, of what's really occurring. So, um, you know, an event arises, and there's this, initial sort of drawing of attention to this arising of this event. And then what happens is there's this this sort of um I don't know what the word would be, but it, uh I've used the word telescope, like a telescope that you pull out. Where but we're back here looking through all of our ideas, perceptions preferences and so on and so forth at this arising event and we're not clearly seeing the arising event. And so even if we were doing sophisticated research or something of this level, without knowing clearly what's going on, we're bringing our own concepts and our own sort of um, cultural influences and so on and so forth, so that we're not really seeing clearly. So the third level of this mindfulness is when we move into um, you know deeper um, awareness of what's really occurring, clear seeing, and we're we're sort of through this. Um, Well, we're, we see things much more clearly let's put it that way, much more deeply so that um, if we were dealing with something that was really a powerful emotion, a deep loss, a deep something that really triggers us in, in that way or a deep uh, powerful emotion, anger, or jealousy, or something like that you see so so to be able to perceive what 's actually arising rather than what we think is arising or what we want to arise or what we ima- uh, uh, imagine would be nice to have arise. you see then. Right mindfulness is seeing it for what it is. Seeing anger as anger, jealousy as jealousy, loss as loss, grief as grief, and so on and so forth. And what happens when we're able to see at that level is that the phenomena itself is perceived as it is, as it's arising and as it's passing away. Rather than us identifying as that anger or jealousy or grief or loss. You see, so we are able to see what's arising in passing in our experience without the hook that gets us at this second level where we actually are invested in it and we create a, an identity there. I am this person who is filled with jealousy and desire for revenge, or I am this person who is fill in the blank, you see. And so what begins to unfold for us as meditators is that we're able to actually do vipassana, we're able to enter the realm of Vipassana meditation. Because when phenomena is experienced in that way, we can, per, we can perceive and discern the three characteristics in whatever is arising and passing away, whatever is coming into our field. We see it as impermanent. We see it as having a life cycle and moving away. And then we we see how how holding on creates suffering or, um, you know, uh, pushing away creates suffering. And we see that because it's not permanent, because there's nothing really stable there, because it's arising and passing away, that there's no us. So if we are that anger or we are that jealousy or we are that loss, you see, when it passes away, where do we go? do we still exist or do we not exist you see so you begin to touch this area where you're able to see in a very clear way clear com- it's called sati sampajana where it's it's mindfulness and clear comprehension you're able to comprehend clearly the nature of what's occurring within your own direct experience Not something that somebody is telling you about, not something that you're reading about, but something that's actually occurring. So this can happen in very ordinary ways in your daily life, and then you see it sort of unfold in your meditation, or this can happen in your meditation, and you begin to see it in your daily life. Oh, this is what was actually going on. So I want to give you an example of how this might work. At least how it how it works for me when I begin to look at it clearly, so i I was um I manage retreats at Spirit Rock sometimes, and I was managing a retreat uh, last week, and um I was sitting in the morning meditation, just having a regular morning sit, nothing special and um and I hadn't been sitting like the yogis, I just was going in to sit for you know, an hour in the morning or something like that. And, um, uh, the teacher was giving instructions and n- normally I'm not in the retreat so I'm not all that interested in the instructions so I blank it out and just try to do my <laughs> my meditation. Not as, uh, to be disrespectful to the teacher but just because I'm not, you know, I'm not following the sequence. So, But somehow, whatever he was saying was, you know, it was going on in the background. And, um, uh, I had an experience where, uh, it it wasn't just a mental exercise, but it was more a direct experience where I must have been recalling something that had happened. In relationship. I was remembering something in re- and then my relationship to it. And, um, and suddenly I realized that um, there was no way for me to make this, this judgment that I was making because I could see that the judgment that was coming up about a person in particular, was rooted in this moment that was fixed in my memory, fixed in my consciousness. So I'm thinking about you, and I think, what a nice guy he is, or what a jerk he is. Something like that. And then the next moment, I I had the direct realization that There's no nice guy, and there's no jerk. There's just phenomena unfolding. That we're all just unfolding moment by moment by moment by moment. So anything that we're receiving, or that we think that we're knowing, is just a momentary arising and passing away. And with that direct experience came this sense of forgiveness. Because it happened to be I was having a memory about an unpleasant experience that I had with my ex-wife. And suddenly it was that is not who she is at all. <laughs> that was a moment of behavior that I perceived in a certain way and I didn't like it. And that even wasn't who I was. And so there was this ability that came, this movement of the heart that allowed forgiveness to be known. And with this forgiveness came this sense of just putting down this sort of psychic and energetic load that I had no idea I was carrying around. And then suddenly it just moved into a realm where I saw that it was true with Every encounter I have, with every person I meet, with every, you know, the people that we were when we came into this room and sat down are gone. So to be fixed in our consciousness, in that second level of operation, the way most of humanity is, is to suffer, it's to invest it's like she was this way and i was the other way and i was better than she was you see and it was like suddenly that story just dissolved you know i mean somewhere i knew that wasn't really true but i didn't to have the direct experience of just the letting go it was a kind of insight so so that was a moment of right mindfulness. That was a moment of seeing things in a way that I don't normally see. You see? And we all have those moments. So it's just a matter of beginning to be, cultivate the quality um, or the, the um, it's a it's a quality it's, you, you begin to, to to recognize that and one of the ways that I recognized it is through this feeling of forgiveness or or let me say through this feeling of release of putting down it was like suddenly i didn't have to carry this load anymore, something like that so what i what I want to segue into <laughs> here, is that when we meditate, in our meditation practice, what we can do to sort of tweak and and nurture this quality of clear seeing is to bring our attention more and more purposely to the way things are felt in the body. To the way things are known in the body, because when we operate on the mental level, it's a little bit, um, I don't want to say dicey, but it's easier to get lost. So you may have noticed that when you're meditating and you're actually bringing your attention and your awareness into some part of the body, letting the body sort of be the experience in which you're going to focus that um, there's a real sense of presence that happens. So if I ask you to bring your awareness to the contact of your feet on the floor right now you see when you do that when you actually say oh yes I feel, you know, I feel that it's, it, it's very easy to come into the present moment, very easy to be present with that. Now, you might not be able to be present with it for very long, and that doesn't make any difference. What I'm really wanting to point to is that quality of presence that happens for all of us when we begin to track like that. So if we, be, if we try to move into the mental realm right away and look at the movements and the arising of emotions and thoughts and mind states. It's a little bit, um, it's a little bit more subtle. It's a lot more subtle, for me at least. And it's not... Um, it, uh, it's, it's not taking advantage of the fact that the body will tell us and reveal to us um, almost everything that we need to know. You see? So it was through the release that I felt in my body first that the sense of forgiveness arose because my heart opened. And that allowed me to enter momentarily into this zone of clear comprehension, of mindfulness and clear comprehension, of bringing my full attention to to what was actually happening. So what I want to say is that, um, what I want to point you to is how easily we allow ourselves to fixate on our own stories on what we think is happening, what we believe is happening and how that sense of being and becoming is something that's emerging from from our own egos and and our egos I don't really want to talk in that term, but this sense of needing to be protected comes from the small self, not the large self. And, and needing to be protected, needing to be separate, even if it's painful to us and we know it doesn't work, it's familiar, so we do it over and over and over again. But there are these moments where there's a breakthrough. You know, so as I was sitting here this morning with all of you, um, there was just like these moments of total freedom. Just, it was delicious. And to recognize these moments is... Not just a joy, but it's it's an inspiration. It spurs you on. It 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 gives you this sense of spaciousness. This thing is <laughs> very
1: Because the wire is going around behind
0: your shoulder. Oh, it, I see.
1: It, then it pulls the device off.
0: Okay, there. great. But no, it's fine. Are you sure? Yeah. You thanks. Clip
2: right there, and it it in place. Yeah, that's it's
0: okay. So, um, I lost my train of thought. What was, what was I just saying? <laughs> I hope it comes back if it was important. To it. Well, in in any event, um, all that I'm trying to to uh, point you to this morning is the quality of mindfulness as it begins to emerge. And develop, and then the fact that without uh, without noticing, we we touch these moments of right mindfulness and of freedom all the time, all the time, and and the Buddha suggests that it's through mindfulness that the mind is liberated, and it's the only way that the mind is liberated. And so we live our lives in the way that we do, which is fine and great, but the more we begin to train the mind, the more we see underneath the um, triggering events, the volitional movements of the mind to Deeper and deeper levels, which actually open us to, to the possibility for liberating insight and freedom and release. So, And it can come in the most ordinary ways. You don't have to be sitting on a th- five-month retreat. It can come ten minutes into a meditation, or it can come when you're walking down the street to the grocery store. You see, you never know when you 're just going to open up, but when you, you do, the way to recognize it or the way to begin to recognize it is to trust your body, to trust what the body is telling you the tr- you know, and then you can notice the terrain in the mind, it becomes a little less dicey or a little less uh, foggy and. and much more clear, and so what that means is that mindfulness is just developing it's growing and 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 clarity is coming um, is beginning to come to you in ways that are you know ordinary and in ways that are really spectacularly profound and different. but whatever phenomena we're experiencing is You know, without mindfulness, we cannot see the the characteristics, the three characteristics in it, and therefore we can't see the truth. And when I'm saying the three characteristics, I'm talking about noticing the impermanent quality of everything that arises and passes away, including ourselves. You see, who I was two minutes ago is gone, never to come back again. And that's the truth. The cells on our skin—we we shed our 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 body every—I don't know how how often, but you know, where do we go? What does what and does this mean anything? And I—it does. It absolutely does. When you start to give your attention to it. So um, I hope this is, hasn't been too abstract, but um, I. I know that Andrea uh, likes to give some time for Q&A, and I'd be happy to take some questions if, yes. Okay, Good. It's interesting, um, I study Aikido with a, I consider American master of, and into all this stuff and the body stuff, a lot into that. Mm-hmm. And someone said, we were practicing, someone said, well, I got bigger. And he said, he said, I like that word, but I might use the word also finer as we get more conscious. Mm-hmm. I like the word finer, so maybe I'd be interested in what your take is of the word finer. Finer. Um, uh, uh, I, th- what, what immediately comes to mind is refiner. <laughs> I... When I think of that, uh, when I think of what your your teacher is probably referring to, it's a refinement of experience, it's a refinement of per- perception, a refinement of presence, that type of thing. And so as mindfulness grows, there is this quality of refinement, this quality of, bea- of being able to, to perceive... Um, the subtle nuances of what's actually occurring until you're actually present with it in a very direct way. And then and then it takes you to this place I believe, I could, I could be out on a limb here, but I don't think so. It takes you to this place which is actually beyond or below perception into the direct knowing of consciousness. So um, if you stop and you think about this um, in that way, you begin to realize that um, let's 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 use the example of music, of some music that you think is really that really touches you and moves you, or something. There's this this level of perceiving the music as beautiful, and then there's a level below that perception that knows beauty arising, that just simply knows beauty. This quality is actually below perception. It's the quality of knowing and it's the quality of refinement that I think your teacher is talking something like that, and it's really being in the present. It's it, it's it's below, you know, putting words to something like. Um, you take a like, take something like love, you know. We know what love is. We can talk about love. You know, or, or let's do something simpler, like, we like the taste of ice cream. So we can talk about, oh, I like ice cream, I like this flavor of ice cream, I like that flavor of ice cream, and so on and so forth. But there's this knowing of liking, this knowing of something. Then we say, well, what do we know? So mindfulness is like, a, we're going through this association, this memory, this comparing. We're going through all of these stages, but there's this direct knowing. And that comes from this fine tuning and this refinement, I think. Something like that. Yeah, and I get a lot of this when I listen to The Power of Now with Eckhart Tolle. I mean, he, he mm-hmm. it's yes, a sir. lot of the similar stuff. It's yeah. really cool, yeah. Sure, thanks for your question.
1: Um, far from being um, too abstract, um, your talk has been very beneficial because recently I have been reading repeatedly a, cha- a particular chapter in a book that I've been using as a kind of a meditation guide or and, and this chapter was called Emptiness mm. and it was much more abstract <laughs> but I think <laughs> you talked about the same things mm. in a less abstract way so that I began to or I could see further what was meant by emptiness and and the uh, um, and the urge in that in that chapter to uh, to to the reader to um to empty i guess it's one's um the the familiar Uh, ways of perceiving. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't exactly that things don't exist. It was that the things, the way we perceive them, frequently don't exist Mm -hmm. in reality because of all our accumulated delusion. Mm -hmm. Um, So so that was very helpful to me. And I'll go back and read the chapter yet again. Okay. (laughs) Maybe I'll... I'll have something more. Huh.
0: Yeah, so so let me just say a, a couple of words about that. Um, this is a whole other topic, but and and it's a it's a rich topic. But uh, in relation to m- mindfulness and right mindfulness, the. Uh, The quality of doing to empty the mind is something that can be noticed. And sometimes when we try to empty the mind, we get in our own way. So the refinement that we were just talking about is the quality that realizes the (coughs) emptiness of phenomena arising and passing. You know, think of it as empty phenomena rolling on. A friend just gave me a bumper sticker, and it says "empty phenomena rolling on," <laughs> and it's great. I love it, and that's exactly that's, that's you know good. you you don't make emptiness. It's that you sort of experience this the 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 obscurations that come. When we're in this second level of mm-hmm. perception, so to speak. Yeah,
1: I didn't. Um, I might. I didn't see the word emptiness as as referring to something like a bucket, you know, where you pour it all out at once. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much clearer, and maybe refinement is a great word because it happens moment moment by moment, right, right. or not
0: at all, right. Well. I encourage you to <laughs> dive into emptiness, <laughs> Arthur.
2: Um, so the, the, the right, right to the mouth. The, the the question is about um, emotion mm-hmm. and mental states or tones, moods. Mm-hmm. So um, I've seen. Um, um, some emotions arise, mm-hmm. feel them in the body, and they pass very quickly. Yes. There's others that I get attached to, particularly anger, mm-hmm. and they hang around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but eventually, something comes and takes its place, and it goes away. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, an ice cream cone, and then and I, I there forget you go. my anger. Um, and then there's moods and tones, which I don't really understand, but they last days, weeks, months, mm-hmm. lifetimes, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, And I've just started to look at them, Mm -hmm. but I'm confused. I mean, I I, I have no clear picture of what they are or how they work, except that I know that sometimes I'm in a mood for days or or longer. Mm -hmm. There may be small emotions that arise in it, but they're separate from the mood itself. Mm -hmm. Um, So... The question is, what's going on? How to, how to unwind that, how to find the threads to that?
0: Sure. So, um, so that's, a, that's a really good question. And uh, it's a really important question for all of us, because uh, when we cultivate mindfulness, and we begin, like Guild does this course, um, Uh, an introductory course to teaching mindfulness that's really beautiful. It it starts off with mindfulness of breathing and then body and then emotions and then thoughts and then mind states and then how to bring this into your your daily life. And it's a very nice way to think about um, your experience as you begin to notice these things because you're talking about mind states which comes Pretty far down the the list, so to speak, and uh, in at each step, one of the things that we're beginning to notice is how we um, how we sort of invest an identity into being or becoming something. So in the case of a mind state, how you work with them, or how one can work with them, and you can, you can find way, I'm sure you'll find your own ways, but um, the first thing you've already accomplished, and that is to know that they exist, because until we know that they exist, we're hooked by them completely, but in the knowing that they exist, there's also the, that which we think is happening to us. And therefore, that's who we are when it's happening. So I'm depressed, or I'm angry, or I'm sad, or I am whatever. It happens, whatever the mind state happens to be. It could be anything. So. Um, But a mind state is something that sort of is there, it's going on. So, uh, you know, a person might be uh, I think Gil gives an example like this in his course. A person might be prone to planning, 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 planning. And then there's this this quality of, of anxiousness and worry that's really pervasive underneath it. And this And, you know, you could keep peeling it back, this sense of insecurity, then this sense of, you know, needing to build things up and et cetera. You can can go back very far to see how a mind state um, uh, is actually developed and how it's it's maintained. But how you work with it, how you unwind it, is that um, I know it sounds... <laughs> like I'm, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. But you have to get out of the way. We have to get out of the way. We have to see the mind state as a mind state with sati, with samasati, right? Right mindfulness. This is how we have to see depression as depression, sadness as sadness. You know, whatever it is we, because it's a phenomena that's real it's there it's being experienced it's being but in the seeing and the knowing of it for what it is that's the beginning of the unwinding so we don't actually do anything when we try to do something try to be empty or try to be refined or try to be and un- angry or unsad, you see, we're using that very quality that doesn't want to be undone. It wants to be. Arthur wants to be this. Robert wants to be that, you see. So if the quality is Anger is an easy one to use. If I'm angry, I want to be angry. If I'm always angry, I want to be angry. I want to see that it's everyone else's fault. It's the war in Afghanistan. This is why I'm angry. You see, it's, I'm so invested in that. I'm just, I'm not seeing the truth that this is the way anger is. It comes and it goes. This is the way sadness is. It comes and it goes. It's experienced. And um, now, I want to say, I don't, wanna, I don't want to uh, diminish that we have these states that we experience that can be very strong and very powerful. And to just try to apply mindfulness in the way that I'm talking about it Sounds pretty heady. So, um, I once gave a talk at CARA, an organization that I work at in Palo Alto on mindfulness. And someone came up to me afterwards and said, I don't like this mindfulness stuff. When they, when they bombed the, the Twin Towers in New York and all those people were killed, someone said, Just be mindful. Just be mindful. This is how you, you know. So, you know, that person. Meant well by saying it, but didn't realize that that was not a good message at the time. So what I want to say is that we can have things we can experience losses, we can be so pissed that we just think we're going to explode. you know we can have some strong thing that 's really difficult to deal with, and we have to we have to meet these things with the heart and when we do, the mindfulness, I mean, enabled to meet it with the heart, we're using mindfulness. You see? It goes together. It can't be separated. But it's not just a mental thing. It's not like we just say, okay, I see anger is anger, and sadness is sadness. I see that, you know, like mental. We have to experience it. We have to feel it. And we have to lead with the heart. We have to be kind. The heart is kind. The heart, the mind will trick us. Oh, you're not you're not working hard enough, or you're not, you're lazy, or you're, you know, you're this or you're that. It's just the superego at work. The heart isn't like that at all. The heart will tell us when we're sad. The heart will tell us when we're happy. The heart will tell us when there's love, you see. The heart will tell us when we're doing something because we want something in return. And the heart will tell us when we're giving with just complete open generosity. So, it's again, it's coming into the body, learning to trust the body if we like sense, if we want to use the, that as like the heart is in the body or something like that. Something like that. So, be kind and be sharp. <laughs> cultivate cultivate that mental quality, be refined. Time for one more if anyone has a question yes no okay all right it's been a, a great pleasure to spend the morning with you and i hope it's been useful and if it hasn't been useful there's that round file that you can always <laughs> that you can always use so um, i just want to uh, say that when people come together like we did this morning to practice the dhamma and to uh, talk about the dhamma that uh, we create a field of, of you know, goodwill and merit, and um, may we share this merit with one another and with the, the people in our, our, our daily lives and with people all over the world. So may you all be well and happy and free. And I think Andrea will be back next week. So nice to be here with you. Robert, Robert Cusick. Robert Cusick.